what the what, what the hell is? I'm, I keep seeing this chatbot stuff. Chatbot. What? what, what, what uh, I mean, our, our our AI overlords. Welcome to our say welcome say hello to our AI overlords. This I, is I genuflect before you. Yes, I, I you know I mean I I'm I'm I I. I I, uh, I I consider myself to be a technologist, and I pay attention to this stuff, and I'm fascinated by this stuff, and I have been for, you know, since the beginning of the, the microcomputer, you know, war, you know, age, um, and and I firmly believe that. So everyone talks about the uh, robot, you know, when when uh, when the robots are going to uh, achieve self awareness, you know, and they're going to wake up, you know, like like a Harley's going to wake up or, or, or Colossus or, you know, there's all these science fiction stories about a big computer waking up. Oh, oh I, of course the big one is Skynet, of course. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And we've, you know, we've yeah. missed those deadlines. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, everything's late. We don't have flying cars yet either. So, um, well, yes, but I mean, we, we had specific dates yes, that we with did. the Terminator franchise. Yeah. Yeah. We also just passed what well, we just passed, uh, uh, Back to the Future passed just by yes, a little yes, while ago. Yes. So yeah, uh, so yeah, clearly we're behind schedule on a lot of these kinds of things. But here's my theory. All right, everyone talks about Skynet waking up and Harley. Wait, Harley's from from a book that I love. Um, all these com- all these computer systems kind of becoming self aware and doing whatever it is they're going to do. All right, and I think all kidding, mostly kidding aside, that it's going to be a much more subtle transition than that. All right. Um, well, go ahead. And that I, I have my own theory, but go ahead. And that we are already well into the yes. transition yes. with, with a whole bunch of artificial and people, you know, calling it artificial intelligence is, is kind of tricky because that's a loaded term. Um, but um, the, the the uh, Google AI and the Amazon AI and the, quite frankly the Netflix AI and the YouTube AI, all these these the so called algorithms all right are very much a part of our world now and uh, and I'm trying to fashion an argument that these are actually alive they are life forms they are they are living things now yeah, that are part I, of our I'm, world yeah yeah I, I'm not prepared to say that they they are life forms. But I am prepared to say that um, things things develop gradually, and yep. then all at, all at once. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. So uh, the aviation connection here. Um, so the, and then well, so then one more bit of background here. One more bit of background is that one of the things that's very popular these days is these chat AIs, the so-called what is it called, Chat GPT or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's a bunch, there's a handful of them that are doing images too, but that's not what we're talking. We're talking about the ones that do talk, do chat, do do text, all right? And it and I've never pl- really played. I think I played with one for ten minutes one afternoon, and it's kind of interesting, but. I didn't push it real hard, but a lot of people are. And it's turning out that this, particularly this chat, do I have that right? Is it chat GPT? I think it is. That's um, correct. Yes. Um, apparently outputs very, very believable text. All right. Very, I mean, like forget the Turing test, you know. With, so do I. And I'm just a human. Yeah, exactly. And so um, it's answering questions. Um, and, uh, um, you know, and and it's a pretty interesting thing if you simply look at it from an interesting standpoint. Where it starts to become troublesome is when you kind of consider it a, a tool that you're going to use in important things. For example, 
Um, there's a story from Avweb here. Let's see if I can bring this up on my screen. Yeah, I've got it here in front of me. Um, so uh, a chat bot for all your aviation uh, questions. And yeah, chat GPT, which is one of the kind of, I don't know, I was, I was about to say generic, but um, um, it's one of the chat AI text technologies that people are playing with and, and doing some interesting things with. And someone is apparently trying to build one that is that is that knows how to answer aviation questions, all right? And as, Jeb, as you saw on our list, my response on our list was no, 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 all right? Um, because first of all, if you read anything about this the chat GPT and these text, AI text things in general, um, they're, they're, they output very believable text, but very questionable facts all right and, and right. this is true of all all uh, uh, you know domains um they they're not you know they're really good at sounding good you know it's which how many people you know which is actually pretty human when you stop and think about it how, how how many people have we known have you known in your life who talk a good game man and and, uh, and fall down in the detail yeah right you know yeah, yeah so uh yeah, yeah. um chat i i totally so, so what you're telling me basically is this is a text form of cable news yeah okay well i don't i don't yeah okay see i don't think cable news talks a very good game either but that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying yeah it's Uh, it's a lot of a lot of words but they don't really mean anything yeah uh yes and they're very plausible apparently it sounds very real it's i mean it's like you know um but uh you know you don't don't this is not for you know not for navigation not for you know it's like what was the what was the disclaimer we used to use? Um, you know, this is, don't try this at home. Don't or? try this at home. Yeah, but uh, you know, um, Obvi- I, we used to say something like talk- obviously very general and you yeah, know, remember talk- your flight training. Yeah, and exactly. Always fly the airplane. I always fly the airplane. And so these chat GPT things are not. I really don't believe they're there. Anybody who's tempted to think that you can go to a chat GPT or any AI chat system to get some sort of aviation answer. And it could be anything. It could be as simple as a weather briefing. I'd be suspicious, um, you know, and, and quite frankly, uh, there, to me, there's some certification questions here. So suppose for a minute that we really believed that this, these kinds of systems were giving good answers. All right. Suppose, uh-huh. Uh-huh. suppose we had some reason, and we, I don't, but suppose we did, all right? You still wouldn't go to them for answers because you wouldn't go to another human being for definitive answers, all right? Because, well, because people have to get certified, all right? You know, it's like, you, you know, you, it, it, I, you I can teach it, ground school. I can't. Why? Because you're certified. To I have te- a ground instructor. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and for the same reason, if you're if you're going to have these chat AI systems do this kind of stuff, there needs to be a certification process too. If you ask me. If you ask me. Yeah. Sorry. What do you think? Well, I think um, training, specifically flight training and, and training in aviation, um, is a is a people thing we're trying to train a human being to do x y and z preferably all at the same time and there are many ways to do that the, the faa for example puts out a great number of um, a great deal of documentation i should say a great deal of guidance on how to do things there's the regs uh the federal aviation regulations that tell us what we must do and must not do um there are uh, written exams oral exams practical exams uh, to test our knowledge, but there are a lot of different ways to get that knowledge into our scrawny little heads, and um, not all techniques work with all people. I, you know, there's any number of instances I'm sure that 
your training involved, my training involved, and the training of many of the, our listeners, um, where we didn't get something, we didn't understand something fully, be it a maneuver or a concept or or whatever, until maybe someone else, someone other than our original flight instructor, showed us, explained it to us using a different set of words, different concepts, whatever. And then it just all of a sudden clicked for us. Um, so what I'm coming away from here is, or what I'm staring at here is, um, there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all training uh, regimen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's different for everybody, and everybody learns and, and doesn't learn at their own rate. Um, now, as long as that material is standardized, as it is with, with FAA guidance, uh, more or less standardized, let's be honest, um, then we still have to study, we still have to understand, we still have to comprehend, we still have to implement what we've learned. Um, and the this AI can maybe measure some of that as a metric um, and, and decide, determine, well, you know, you got 70% of it, you got 85% of it or something like that. And that's all well and good. All that really does, though, is is take a human out of the loop and free them up to do something else for the time being. Yeah. They're still going to have to come back and polish you off and round off those rough edges. Yeah. So, so I, I, you know, I don't know if that's the right question to ask, though. Um, I'm not sure what the right question to ask is. Um, I would put this for now in this in the category of simply another tool, and there are plenty of tools out there that are, that are uh, just as good. Uh, sitting around the the FBO pilot lounge, mm-hmm. you learn as much or more if you if you listen and if you ask the right questions and you have the right audience. Yes, there are lots of tools, or and 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 you're right. Yeah, you want to uh, you want to search out multiple tools. Don't rely on any one tool. Um, I, I'm not convinced that these chatbot aviation things yet are even a useful tool. I, I'm very very suspicious of them. But well, the, I'm I you know I don't know. I'm looking at this one article, and I've seen this this the same set of characters, Chat GPT. In a lot of my my news and, and information feed over the last few weeks, and you know, until I'm proven, until I see some additional evidence, I'm just going to call it a fad. And the the latest uh, um, latest buzzword. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, so, so, I, I don't know. I, so I, I guess my advice, and maybe it's your advice too, to everybody listening, is that if you come across one of these systems that pretends to be. Uh, uh, you know, a be all end all tool for aviation stuff. Be suspicious. Double check it. Get yeah, check. and and you know, the only end all be all tool for aviation is, of course, UCAP. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Right. Of course. There we go. The Uncontrolled uh, Airspace Podcast. We are your full service podcast. That's it. That's right. If you heard it here, it's correct. Yes, it's gospel. That's right. Welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, coming to you from gray and rainy but not very wintry uh, Dover, New Hampshire, uh, where uh, we're getting ready to have a little bit of a snowstorm up here. But uh, um, So the thing I wanted to mention to you, Jeb, is that uh, um, the uh, forecast... Um, I, I'm a bit of a weather geek. I love watching weather stuff. Speaking, I'm sp- shocked by that. Speaking Jack. of, <laughs> how, how long have we known each other? Not going know, on I, twenty years, and you tell me now, I know that you're a weather geek. I know. Well, you know, I, 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 you know, I guess now there is no more any, no longer any mystery. It's all out there now. Um, 
10-day forecasts are very common. Um, there's a couple of sites I look at that have 14-day forecasts. Uh-huh. And 14 days out, the forecast says that we are going to get a three-and-a-half-foot snowstorm. So there you go. Three-and-a-half three foot yes. snowstorm. Yes, yes, 40-something inches of snow. That's what they say. I don't believe it, but that's what it says. And, and and this is like for the 20th or something? It's the 8th, 17th, and 18th or something like that. Is that 14 days out? Um, yeah, here, hang on. Let me, fifth, yeah. let me see if I can find this. I'll send you the link. Where is it? No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be infected with your, yeah, your okay. three and a half feet of snow. Yeah. You, you can keep all that, dude. Yeah. I, it's okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Anyways. You know? Yeah. So I'm I'm looking at the same kind of sort of forecast out to, in this case, only the 16th. And uh, uh, I see where I see the the highest temperature I see is seventy seven, the lowest I see is forty eight, and I see phrases like plenty of sunshine. Yes, sunny yeah, and comfortable. You enjoy doing this. Sunny I know. And I know plenty. You, yeah, right. I, so is... I mean, I, I'm just I'm trying to feed the beast of your insatiable quest for weather information. <laughs> your, your your weather geekiness. I'm 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 trying to feed that for you. I'm trying to help you out. That voice, for anyone not in the know, is uh, from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. That's Jeb Burnside. Thanks, Jeb. I appreciate the the, the kind words. The uh... it's, it's, it's all I can do for my friend in the frozen north. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, so, anyways, we don't get hurricanes, although 40 inches of snow will basically be a hurricane up here. Well, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a mess. Yeah. Um, um... So, anyways, what else is going on down there? You having fun? You doing anything yeah, good? Yeah, um, the the February issue of the magazine's in the can. Uh, once again, basking in the glow of of, uh, of uh, that accomplishment. Nice. Um, got some other projects. Blew up the lawnmower yesterday. Um, ripped the front bumper off of my car last night. Ouch! Wait, wait. Um, talk, <laughs> talk about burying the lead. Now, wait a minute. First of all, lawnmower. You mean talking your fancy two two the, yoke? The yeah, the ZTR I've had for a couple of three years. Um, I'm just cruising along yesterday. I've been on it maybe 20 minutes, and kaboom! It just stops. It dies. There's a puff of smoke, and 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 it w- won't restart. I have to tow it back to the hangar. Um, and you know that's how that's how my afternoon went yesterday. Uh, last night I'm leaving a restaurant. I'm backing up, and the front bumper cover comes off the car because apparently either it got knocked, the snot got knocked out of it while the car was parked. Or the little curb stop that I parked in front of ripped the bumper cover off. Wow. Which, so, which car are we talking about? Here? Another black bummer. Uh, that's a beautiful car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah it will well, be again. Sorry to hear it. Sorry. Oh, yeah, that's life. Sorry in, to hear in it. The, in the fast lane. On the other hand, it's uh, not going to snow, so there, you've got that going for you. Yeah. So, you know, and, and the flip side, of, of course, is I do have other transportation, so that's that's a good thing, too. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'm kind of, kind of scratching my head over over those two turns of events. I got, mm. When we get off the phone here, uh, we're running to town and and um, uh, get some parts and and uh, try to get the lawnmower at least so where it'll, it'll start and run, so I don't have to tow it everywhere. Yeah, okay, because uh, <laughs> that would be an awkward way to cut the lawn. I, yeah, that's going to be you know really really hard. I had to get down there with a fingernail file and and you know get every <laughs> single blade. But uh, I know, huh? Um, um, so there's all that going on. But uh, yeah cool yeah no it's not cool it's frustrating (laughs) but i've almost knocked over my coffee twice now i gotta put it i've got my left hand on my coffee and my right hand on my mouse and i don't know what that says yeah yeah well no you did priorities man you got priorities um uh, a bittersweet 
memory comment thing I wanted yeah. to mention here. Yeah. I think we both wanted to mention. Um, we lost our dear friend Dave Higdon a little over six months ago, and um, and it's just been strange being without him. It's he's still very much on our minds, and and uh, you know, longtime listeners or regular listeners know that almost every episode something comes up that reminds us of Dave. Something Dave would have told us. Something Dave has told us in the past. He's still very much a part of our lives. Um, the main reason he comes to my mind, anyways, this particular week is this. This past Monday was his birthday, yes. um, January second, and we just kind of wanted to to remember Dave's birthday and say happy birthday, Dave, um, and uh, you know. Um, you know, he's, he's really missed, um, this, you know, we're hanging in there we're doing okay, but this is not, this podcast is not the same without Dave Higdon. And, uh, all this is true. And, uh, uh, you know, I appreciate you, you know, putting this all on the calendar. Yeah. And, uh, um, um, we, a lot of listeners over the months since we lost Dave have asked about memorials and, 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 and ways of remembering and, 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 uh, and so forth about Dave. Um, and, and for a variety of reasons, that all kind of got left on hold. Um, ultimately, Dave's loved ones chose to keep his final memorials to be a family-only matter. Um, and, uh, and I personally don't disagree with that. That's, that's was their choice, and that's fine. Um, but a lot of us really... I know from talking to listeners and I know in my, in my own heart um, would like for a little bit more of an opportunity to kind of remember Dave and to, to pay our respects and to kind of, I don't know, get some closure, if you will, if that's even possible. And maybe have a beer at the same time. And maybe have a beer at the same time. Dave would approve, I think. Um, and so we've been talking and I, we want to kind of start to spread the word and kind of get people's expectations set um, to that we're going to, we are probably, we are almost certainly going to do um, gatherings that are at least in part um, Dave memorials, um, both at Sun and Fun uh, in April or May, uh, March, April, and at, um, at Oshkosh Air Venture in July. Um, and so uh, if anyone would like to uh, to join with us and drink a beer and tell some Dave stories and uh, and, uh, and and remember some things that Dave would have enjoyed, um, that, there, there will that's be the, those opportunities. Uh, that's the, at least as far as we're concerned, and we're not standing in the way of anybody else doing any other No, kind of no. Work. As a matter of fact, some uh, of these may be, yes, be yes, driven maybe, by other people. In um, joint efforts and, and all kinds of exactly. things. Exactly. So, you know, um, but yeah, we're, we're planning. Right. to do a few things at so, those two shows. So if you're interested, you should expect that something will, and we'll get you, obviously get you better details as we get closer. But there's definitely going to be, I, I, I think there's definitely, I, maybe I shouldn't speak for you, Jeff. I think there definitely is going to be some sort of gathering at Sun and Fun, for example. Um, one of the evenings of Sun and Fun, probably, there will be a gathering where we will we'll, you know, lift a couple of beers in Dave's memory. Um, and uh, we'll let you know exactly what that date would be. But uh, expect that. Um, and uh, likewise, um, at uh, AirVenture in July, uh, there will be some sort of... Uh, there, we have a little more specific idea of what that's going to involve because um, we're going to resume the um, tie-down party this year. Because of the pandemic, the tie-down parties hasn't been held in whatever it's been now, two or three years. Um, and uh, we always plan to bring the tie-down party back, um, and we can kind of 
I was going to say kill two birds with one stone. That's a terrible. Maybe that's a, that's a terrible analogy. That's not um, a great metaphor. We, we, can, we can check off more than one box. We are at the going same to time. accomplish multiple goals at the same time here um, by by resuming the tie down party um, and and in the form of a of a again another opportunity to raise a beer in, in Dave's memory. One thing that everyone there's a know, recurring theme here. Yes, right. Beer, Dave. Beer, Dave. Right. That was always the theme, wasn't it? Well, it was a theme. A theme. Yeah. Um, but one thing everyone should know, so traditionally the tie-down party at Oshkosh has been on Thursday evening, and we've decided for a variety of reasons to change it um, starting this year. Um, so the tie-down party at Oshkosh will be on Tuesday night of Air Venture Week. Um, so mark your calendars now. Um, we don't exactly know where. It might be in the same old location where it's been for years and years. Uh, it might be at a different location. It'll be someplace there on the grounds or adjacent to the grounds um, of the of the convention. And, so, and, we'll, and, yeah, and we'll know which day of the week it is and where and all that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, So anyways. Well, 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 well in advance. Yeah. Happy birthday to Dave. He, yeah. uh, January 2nd, uh, Monday this week. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because I don't know... He was never very, you know, I mean, he wasn't very secretive about this, but he also wasn't very open about it. We weren't exactly sure how old he, what year he was born. Um, when we were putting together obituary stuff back in July, um, I think we guessed wrong. I'm not positive, but I think we guessed wrong. So I'm not even going to try now to say which birthday this was for Dave, but uh, it was his birthday and uh, and he would have enjoyed it and we would have enjoyed giving him a hard time about. Um, and uh, happy birthday, Dave. Yes. Yes, indeed. I saw a story in the news the other day that that really kind of made me go, what? What? Uh, it says, <laughs> Only one? Yeah, well, this one in particular, $10 million. This is from, from AvWeb. And if it was any other source, I'd really kind of question it. But this is AvWeb, and this is, uh, this is Russ Niles. These people know what they're doing. And so $10 million approved for unleaded Avgas evaluation. All right? And I look at this, and I go, wait a minute. Didn't we just do that? Didn't we just finish that? Isn't that... What is this all about here? Congress has approved ten million. I should open this link. Yeah, right. Congress has approved ten million dollars for testing. I'm reading from the from the Russ Niles AvWeb story. Um, ten million dollars for testing and evaluation of unle- unleaded high octane aviation fuels, and all sectors currently involved in the effort can qualify for funding. Um, <laughs> funny wording here. Anyways, according to AOPA. President Joe Biden signed the bill that funds the executive branch for the coming years on December 29. The bill also, now the quote says, the bill also recognizes the collaborative industry government effort to move general aviation to a fleet-wide drop-in lead-free fuel solution no later than 2030 by including $10 million for additional testing, et cetera, et cetera. And I went, huh? You know, I mean... So I don't know. In in reading this through and kind of parsing the words and and think and and maybe reading some other sources, I think maybe this is just more research to find more solutions. Because, right? You tell me, Jeb. What's this all about? This what? is all about sticking somebody's snout into the federal trough. Uh, maybe that's what it is, huh? They just want to, you know, it's like we've got one now, and now they want, and they're going to spend ten million dollars to find some well, more solutions. Yeah, you know, I, I just, I just dealt with um, a letter to the editor in Safety last week about uh, about this. Um, the the writer whose whose name I wouldn't repeat if it, even if I remembered it right now um, was extremely concerned about the monopolistic aspects of GAMI's um, approvals and uh, felt that all of this was being thrust down the throats of the 
general aviation public, and I'm I'm paraphrasing. Um, it was a lengthy letter, and and uh, um, it was clear that that cost and and uh, um, not having a choice, things like this were were on the writer's mind, um, and. I, I get that. Um, part of my answer to him as, as editor basically said, um, there are many other companies have been pursuing this goal uh, over time. And I didn't get into Paffy. I didn't get into Eagle. Uh, I didn't name any of those other companies. But none of them at this point have gotten nearly as far as Gammy has. So first of all, that has to be understood and respected. Um, but secondly, those efforts still continue on the part of those other companies. And, uh, you know, I think being first out of the gate, GAMI is going to attract a lot of flack or at least a lot of, um, of, uh, attention, uh, for this. And I would also hasten to add that, uh, um, since GAMI's announcement over the summer, actually, I think it was like September 1 or something like that, um, that they had, had obtained all these STCs from the FAA, um, that um, there's been very little, at least visible, action on fielding the fuel, or especially um, from other participants in the industry to come up with their own uh, uh, option, their own unleaded aviation gasoline. Now, according to the, to the AvWeb story, um, Swift Fuels is eyeing an STC for its um, its fuel sometime this year. Um, but mainly, um, this is, uh, I think, a kind of a gilding the lily thing or gilding the eagle thing. Uh, eagle being the, uh, the newest mm-hmm. buzz, buzzword I got that the yeah, in- no, I industry got has yeah. adopted to... Uh, uh, to tackle the, the unleaded gasoline problem. Um, I don't know where the money's going to go, um, but $10 million is $10 million. And uh, in some quarters, $10 million would be a, a great boost um, for the engineering and, and, and data that they need to produce. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, and I think that makes sense to me, that this is this is for additional fuels. Because you don't want just... I, I don't... The monopoly thing is silliness, but... It is silliness. It, but it, but yeah. it is true that there's only one approved right now, and it would be better if there were two approved. Um, so let's spend some money to do that. I'm cool with that. Yeah, and I'm, you know, and here's here's a good question that I'd like for someone to answer. Um, how much of that money does Gammy get? Yeah, I know. Because, right. Well, yeah, I know, huh? Seriously, I mean, if we're going to throw some federal money at a problem that someone is ostensibly already resolved, maybe they should get some of it. I'm just speculating. You know, I'm just it, it, I'm just asking questions. I know. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Gammy was, God bless Gammy, but they they yeah, they were not treated real well all the time in this no, whole process. No, they weren't. They weren't. Yeah. So, anyways, all right. Well, all right. So, more is better. Let's, let's, more, more is better, and and uh, although, right. yeah, although you know, it's like they were, if, if the got, flip side. Go ahead. We've got a big enough problem. We got a big enough problem finding a place to put the gammy fuel on these on these little airport FBOs. You know, they're going to be two different unleaded av gases. Uh, this is going to be a real problem. But. Well, it is, and and um, I think you know down the road cooler heads are certainly going to prevail let's let's keep a couple of things in mind um first of all you know 
ten million dollar appropriation, which in the scheme of things is is um, a, a rounding error, um, exactly. is, is going to make money. a yeah, yeah it's going to make a big impact on on this small industry, but um, it's not that big a deal in the in the big scheme of things. In the big scheme of things, there is still the the um, the Darth Vader of the Environmental Protection Agency out there. Holding the the labor the, the lightsaber over our heads, of uh, uh, a finding that avia- that leaded aviation gasoline is an environmental hazard, health hazard. Yeah. And once that occurs, is Katie bar the door? We don't know what's going to happen after that. That will be an interesting. Yeah. And that's likely. Um, I, I I've kind of fudged the dates. I've forgotten a lot of them. It could be this year, next year. And. Um, here's Congress throwing $10 million at the problem. All well and good. No worries. Happy to help out. Um, hope so, hope Gabby gets some of it. Hope I get some of it. Hope you get some of it, Jack. Yeah, cool. Uh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, maybe if we talk some more about it, they'll they'll send some our way. I know. Yeah, we, that's right. Yes. Well, we should submit a grant proposal. <laughs> well, absolutely we should. Absolutely we should. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, that's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> never, you nevertheless. Know, you never know. You know, you never stra- know. Stranger yeah. things have happened. Burnside World Industries is applying for uh, a grant to um, distribute, help distribute accurate, timely information on the adoption of unleaded aviation gas. There you go. There you go. I thought you were just going to say it was a spinoff from your firewood props, your, uh, you know, your, your energy industry um, business there. Well, but, no, it's all, it's all under one parent now. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Good. Good, good, good. Uh, moving on here. So uh, just a small item here, but I just want to kind of almost a shout out, actually. Um, the uh, uh, commemorative, commemorative Air Force, the uh, CAF, um, which is a great organization that's, that uh, maintains and operates all sorts of uh, uh, warbird aircraft and historic airplanes around the country, um, oh, cool. ha- have announced the creation of a new, um, what they call it, a wing. Um, the, uh, new, the new New England wing of the commemorative, commemorative Air Force um, has been uh, declared or, or, or uh, announced. Um, and the thing that makes it particularly cool for me is that it's at Northampton Airfield here in New Hampshire. Um, this is that is, the one with the restaurant? That's where you and I went for breakfast that, that day when you we were here. Um, a cool little grassroots airport there in uh, southern New Hampshire with a uh, used to be grass strip only, and now it has a paved runway with a grass strip next to it, um, and all sorts of cool little airplanes and a nice restaurant um, and a FBO. You can get your gas there and... Uh, and now a CAF wing um, with its own airplane, which I, I don't know if this is cool or not. I don't know whether this is unusual or not, but the story points out that, that the uh, this new wing has also achieved the... So apparently it's like... You know they're they're pretty careful about these airplanes, of course, and they want to make sure that the that the wings have the expertise to operate these airplanes. And uh, those the wording in here was. Uh, um, the, it has it has it met all the requirements to have an aircraft assigned to the wing, um, and in this particular case, they have been assigned a Fairchild PT twenty three primary trainer. There's some cool pictures of it here in the story that's in the GA News um, story. Um, so, uh, congratulations to uh, Northampton Airfield, to CAF, to the New England wing of the commemorative Air Force, um, and uh, can't wait to go and watch this airplane operate uh, yeah. at uh, while having breakfast one day. Yeah. Be fun, yeah, and they, and they have great coffee mugs at that restaurant. They do have great coffee mugs. Yes, yeah, you bought a couple. You gave you left one yeah. with me, and yeah. you've got one at your place. Yeah, uh-huh. very very traditional, heavy uh-huh. diner coffee yeah. mugs. Yeah. You know, I agree completely. 
I agree completely. What's next here? Uh, off-field landing of the week. This is just a, I mean, you know, like every off-field landing that we've talked about, I think basically has been memorable and uh, and 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 admirable and awesome. This one really caught my attention. All right, um, this is a teenage pilot. This is from CNN Travel, one of our favorite new uh, aviation. Uh, 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 publications um teenage pilot makes emergency landing near two-lane highway in california um so in some ways this is your basic story this is a uh a, a um cherokee of some sort here I'm it's a warrior specific model is i'm a warrior yep um and uh, uh he apparently soon after takeoff had an engine failure and managed to uh land it um on uh, apparently a parallel road like a, a gravel road parallel to the paved road um and and that alone is a cool enough story what makes it even more cool is that the pilot in in question or involved is 18 years old he was a really relatively new pilot that says here in the story where'd it go i had it a minute ago um yeah um but he was a very very low time pilot um and he was flying with several of his family members in the airplane including his grandmother who was in the back and according to the story, his grandmother, uh, not unsurprisingly, his grandmother was kind of freaking out a little bit in the back of the airplane, all right? And and the, um, yeah, I'll call him young man, the pilot, um, had the, this, the, the state of mind and the concentration to fly the airplane. God bless him. Fly yeah. the airplane. 18-year-old private pilot. Had a certificate for four months, according yeah. to the story. Yeah. yeah. And so congratulations to uh, pilot Brock Peters uh, for getting the airplane on the ground successfully. And then the picture of it shows it here. Looks like it's ready to fly again. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, I hope they let him fly it out. Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, well done. And, yeah. uh, um, you know, saved himself and his family and his grandma um, and and. I mean, you can only imagine. I mean, if you're in that kind of situation and your passengers are kind of freaking out a little bit, that's going to be bad enough. If one of them is your grandmother, how do you, you know, it must be really hard to, to tune that out. There's, there's a graph from the story. You just hit the nail on the head. Quote, I could hear my grandma crying in the back, unquote, Peters told CBS, uh, KCBS, KCAL. So, quote, I'm, I'm like, I've got to... Tune her out, focus on what I need to do, and get this plane down safely and make sure everybody is okay, unquote. And Shazam, you got you got you nailed it. Hats off to your instructor, hats off to your training organization. Good job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well done. What else we got here? Uh so, uh, does anybody know where Tupper is? Because Frontier Airlines uh, oh, Airbus yep. 321 uh, had to divert to Miami after the crew fell ill. All right. Uh, Steve Tupper, please report to the, uh, I know. I know. The, white, the white courtesy phone nearest you for a message. That's right. Um, this is, uh, I don't know if anybody knows what we're, some people know what we're talking about. Uh, fellow podcaster and, and. Surely, surely everybody knows what we're talking about. I know, about. right. Um, and good buddy Steve Tupper is, is kind of legendary for saying, for, for urging. Um, uh, our airline pilots to eat the fish. He says, have, eat the fish. Have, have the fish. Have the fish, all right? Because his dream is to be back in the cabin and have them call on him to come and land the airplane. Um, and uh, Frontier Airlines, Airlines uh, uh, it was Airbus 321, diverts to Miami. Let's see, let's read a couple things here. Um, on December 31st, Aircraft took off from San Juan in Puerto Rico for Orlando two hours into the flight while passing over the Bahamas. Um, that's what did it, was passing over the Bahamas. <laughs> flight deck crew requested a diversion to nearby Miami International, citing illness on board. Um, now, hang on a second here. I assume that this was... 
it says I assume it was the pilot crew. Is it the pilot crew or that, well, honestly, eight crew know. members and one passenger reported dizziness and were treated by paramedics? No details about the cause uh, have been. Well, which crew members these were? Seven oh. Um, so maybe it wasn't the pilots. Uh, maybe it was just like you know the flight attendants kind of thing. Um, but uh, you know, because I was going to like then harp on the fact that if it was one of the uh, pilots got sick it's a good thing there were more than one pilot wasn't there yeah wink wink nudge nudge this is my thing from a couple episodes ago anyways um so i don't know i guess we need to check on where tupper is right now uh and uh but uh he apparently didn't get to land this one but, yeah there's there's still hope there's still time uh, there's still you know there's still fish to eat <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's something. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, he doesn't need another airplane. Tupper has flown so many different kinds of airplanes. He's uh, just out there. You know, he 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 loves um, um, getting trained up and 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 flying lots of different airplanes. And he's got all kinds of fascinating airplanes in his logbook. Um, so he doesn't need a, an Airbus three twenty one. Well, but he probably thinks he does. Well, you know, we all need a three twenty one typewriting. Yeah. Do we? It's an Airbus. Well, <laughs> no, no. I, you know, let's give. You know, maybe twenty years ago I'd have said that, but uh, yeah. let's you know, give them their due. Okay. Um, but um, um, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it at that. Here's my question: Is it oh, reasonable? Your, your only question. No, no. But here's my question. I'm gonna. I don't know. Is it reason? I wish I, I I should have asked this question last last episode when Amy was around too, so that I could get more than just because you're just gonna give me a hard time here. Uh, <laughs> is it reasonable for ATC? She she would give you a hard time. I, I know she would, but at least there would have been. Never mind. Is it reasonable for ATC to turn a general GA aircraft away from a Bravo airport, other than in exceptional circumstances? If a if a one seventy two requests to land at a at a bravo airport all right is it reasonable for atc to say no no you go over there you know yes is the quick answer all right why um first of all i presume we're talking about a vfr operation probably yes well no that's a that's a major distinguishing factor in, in getting your answer correct all right well what's the difference why if would, it was why I, would... if, if it was ifr uh, ATC would have, by definition, would have space for it. Okay. And it, it would not be, uh, let me put it, in, I'll give you the full answer here, and then we can pick it apart. If it's an IFR flight, IFR flight plan, IFR clearance, then uh, unless there's an air traffic um, situation, they're going to be allowed access to the Bravo. The Bravo is transparent to the IFR aircraft mm-hmm. okay, for all intents and purposes. Now, if it's a VFR aircraft, it, and I'm looking at it here. Um, um, well, that's, maybe this is not the right one. Um, you might have to cut some of this, Jack. Hang well, on. While Hang you're on. looking that up, let me let yeah. me explain the scenario that brings this question to to my mind. All right, so a listener is telling me this story. Um, listener who flies his 172 from the Los Angeles area to Las Vegas on a regular basis, um, and excuse me, he routinely flies from Los from Los Angeles and lands at North Las Vegas. Now, if you know 
if you know um, that route in that area, what that basically involves is pretty much overflying the big Bravo airport there, um, which used to be called McCarran, is now called Reed, I think, Reed, you know, International Airport, but the the, the big uh, the big Bravo Airport, um, and and the thing about this particular um, pilot situation is that not only is North Las Vegas like another, I don't know, twenty thirty minutes further along, all right, but but McCarran, the, the Bravo Airport, is much closer to where he's actually going on the ground, um, so landing at the Bravo would be benefit both in terms of flight time and ground travel time. It's a way better choice for, for him. Um, uh-huh. but, but he's, he's asked a couple times and been declined, um, because they say, no, go to go, go someplace else. And I just, uh, kind of bugs me. I, I know what you're talking about. And, and certainly these big airports are optimized for big traffic and that's their, their purpose. And, and they serve a very, 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 uh, uh, you know, important, um, mission in, in serving the big airlines. Um, but it would seem to me that it shouldn't be arbitrary. Well, and see, it's not arbitrary because I know that sometimes you can do it just fine. I've done it with you. We've flown uh-huh. to Tampa. All right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and flown in VFR, right? We were VFR the, the one time right. I, I'm thinking of, right. we've done it. I've done it with you, I think a couple times. Um, and, and and it was almost a, a nothing burger. I mean, you know, basically you had to abide by the Bravo rules. But other than that, you know, you, you said, here I come. Can mm-hmm. I come? I'd like to land here. And they said, sure, come on. Um, it was a little more formal than that, but it worked. Um, so it's not always. It's just something about, maybe it's just something about Las Vegas. Maybe there are others, you know. Well, um, some, some, some Tracons are pricks, yes. <laughs> Well, if that's not an episode title, I don't know what is. Um, no, couldn't use that word. Can't put that word on the homepage. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, this particular listener lands at um, San Diego all the time, uh-huh. which I believe is a Bravo airport. I'm pretty sure that's a Bravo airport. I'm pretty sure it's a Bravo airport. Um, it's, it's and by the, the way... One, yeah, it's, it's a Bravo airport. It's, it's the only Bravo airport, I think, with a single runway. That's We talked about that, yeah. Yes. Which, by the way, that's sort of... The, maybe that... in. Maybe the reason I mention that is because I wonder if that's the 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 legitimate distinction here. All right, is that we could land at Tampa because it was a separate runway that didn't intersect both on the ground or in the approach with the airliners, um, and so it was almost like a separate airport. All right, whereas at Las Vegas. Um, even the secondary runway intersects the main runway. There, there are no non-intersecting runways at Las Vegas, I believe. I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, but on the other hand, he got approved into San Diego, um, with which has only one runway. You know, on, on the in 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 fairness, though, he's gotten turned away from San Diego because of mm-hmm. you know uh, busy you know traffic because of, because it's too busy. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, the punchline here is VFR operations in the in the Bravo are at the discretion of the controller and done on a, and allowed, I should say, on a workload permitting basis. I've been in Bravo, been cleared into Bravo before, and got a frequency change and gotten a vector straight out of the Bravo. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and um, ATC is always going to fall back on workload because we, we'll never know. Right. Um, and and but the the the. the you, you obviously have to have a clearance to be in Bravo airspace. Uh, 
um, either done via IFR or a specific VFR clearance. Mm-hmm. And uh, when that's revoked or when it's not given, you're supposed to be outside the Bravo, period. I'm, t- I'm trying to find the exact quotation here. I'm looking at the AIM. I'm looking at the FARs, and I can't uh, come up with the exact phrase. But workload permitted basis is the, is the one you want to take away. Right. right. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. By the way, speaking of uh, um, uh, traffic load at San Diego, so uh, it's not on the list, but we just went through this historic meltdown of Southwest Airlines recently where Uh a huge percentage, nearly 100% of Southwest's flights were grounded for like a couple of days in a row. Um, And I'm told that San Diego was a ghost town. Um, I'm told, not San Diego, the town, San Diego, the airport. Um, was a ghost town because it is like basically southwest um, and there was just nothing to fly in or out and mm-hmm. things are you know stuck on the ground there and and you know um, it, it must have been kind of interesting um, in a lot of airports like that there are many airports uh, Midway, um, uh, Midway is probably another example that was pretty pretty quiet during those few days so uh, all right yeah okay well okay it's like the libertarian in me is really annoyed by this. Well, damn it. It's a government funded airport and I should be able to land there. Why not? But well, I, I feel the same way about Washington national. So yeah. The, well, um, okay. Yeah. Well, that's, there's a lot of baggage there, but yes, okay. there's a lot of baggage there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is kind of a weird story. I, I, I this almost amuses me a little bit. This is NTSB challenges the Ethiopian aviation authorities on the Max crash. So yeah. if I understand this story correctly, this goes back to one of the uh, 737 Max crashes from way back when. Um, it, it took place in Ethiopia, so the Ethiopian aviation, whatever they're called, their NTSB. Um, did the primary investigation um and apparently our ntsb was involved on, on, in some way or fashion um and when the when the ethiopian report came out and, and there's kind of been multiple steps to this i'm going to kind of kind of some you know kind of describe it as one big lump which is basically say they ethiopia report puts out their report of what they thought the probable cause was and ntsb goes no i don't think so you know it's like that eh, it was more complicated than that all right um apparently the uh, um the uh, ethiopia what wanted to put a lot of it on on boeing um and ntsb said well yeah you know boeing was part of this but also your pilots were not trained up quite right and et cetera, et cetera. So it was interesting though. I just found yeah. it interesting that they got into a little bit of a pissing match here. You know, it's kind of like, can you say pissing on this? Pro- I don't know. We can, you said prick. I can say piss. Okay. I may have to bleep all of these. I have no idea what I'm going to do about this. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this whole, uh, int- yeah, I, I've seen this before and, and the NTSB may have some legitimate concerns, but yeah, I think it does, does, uh, kind of, fall into the uh we've got to be a little bit more parochial uh um bin as is in the, in the hallway here um i don't think there's ever enough training uh for some for some operations and for some some pilots and for some aircraft um this this goes back it's it's very easy to do because we now know much more about the situation than we did back in 2019 but uh uh, it all goes back to, I think, closing the bar door after the horses got out. Yeah, it, it almost seemed 
it almost seemed like protecting their turf kind of thing, uh-huh, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, it was kind of like, I, I think of the NTSB as being a very, very um, kind of fair, even-handed organization. And um, and this was almost like, you know, hang on a second, you're not going to put all this on our American airplane company, all right? Is, you know, you got to like, kind of like make sure the, the, the real responsibility is described correctly. You know, the, the blame is spread around or, or whatever. And uh, it almost seemed political, I guess is my point. Yes. And, and, and that struck me as not very NTSB-ish from my experience. So you, you, you've got a lot richer understanding of the NTSB. So maybe- it's, it's not normal, but these are not normal times. Yeah, these are not normal <laughs> times. Okay. All right. Well, you're saying this happens from time to time. This is not not, not yeah. a, 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 a you know first time thing um, that uh, NTSB goes to bat for you know things that well, they perceive. I, 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 I'm not sure I would use the phrase "goes to bat." Okay. Uh, I would use the phrase. Um, occasionally, the NTSB points out some things that um, might receive less or greater emphasis uh, in its judgment than the original uh, draft report may have uncovered. How's that? Yeah, that's good. I'm laughing because that's a very political comment that you just said. You think? Yeah, right. So, okay. All right. Well, so NTSB said, hang on a second. Not quite that simple. Here's what we think happened. And uh, yeah. All right. Uh, Finally, I just... this. So uh, this is a uh, an accident report, incident report, whatever you want to call it, about uh, um, a, about an aircraft that was flying along and and the door came off apparently. Oh. Um, um, uh, I don't even know how to summarize this. All, all I know is that I just it, it amused me. One particular phrase in the whole thing amused me, um, and I'm trying to find it in the story here. I think I've got it here for you. Do you got it? Which which graph is it? I, I attempted to push the door latch to parallel to lock the door closed. Upon closing the latch, the door disengaged and became removed from the airplane. Yes. All within a second of closing the latch. That's right. The then door. don't do that. Yeah, I know. Well, but I like the, the, the wording was just, you know, like these people, God bless them. He, they're, they're giving us feedback and that's useful, you know, and, and not everybody's a writer, you know, not everybody's Hemingway or whatever. All right. But I just thought the, the door, the, the latch Closing the latch, the door disengaged and became removed from the airplane. That's what I loved. The door became removed from the airplane. It gets better. It gets a little bit better if if you enjoy these kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, Quote, at this point, I took controls back from my student and requested priority handling. We promptly turned back towards the airport and landed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, c- continues, no adverse control characteristics were monitored <laughs> Monitored during the flight back and descent to land. We promptly taxied to our operator's maintenance facility and shut down the plane. Yep. And got out and cleaned our shorts. Yeah, and, really. What is this? And, is this a and kissed the, kissed the, I'll, I'll use the word. Kissed the tarmac. Yes, exactly. Um, this was a, what, a Diamond DA-40. So, uh, is that what it was? Diamond Star, yeah. That's, yeah. What, it, that's what this says here. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the, the door became removed from the airplane. And, of course, my next question would be, all right, let's pull out the airframe logbooks and see when the last time somebody messed with the door. Yeah. But yeah, so because if coming not. unlatched is not, I mean, these these things happen. I know you. I, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the airplane I soloed was a. This is you know, 
<laughs> a long time ago, let's just put it that way. It was a Cessna 150. And I tell people it had a, a mean time between window openings of 2.5 hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, um, it, it didn't matter which window it was. It was in, in an average of 2.5 flight hours, a window was going to open. Yeah. Well, you have a, when I've flown with you, you have a, a I don't know if it's on, on your checklist, but you have a step in a procedure, a thing that you do every single time I've flown with you. I've seen you do this, um, where part of the whole process of checking that doors are closed and latched and whatnot is that you lean across the passenger because the door on your airplane is on the passenger side. Uh-huh. You lean across the passenger and you push hard on a, presumably where the latch is on the door, right? Up high? Yeah, there's a there's an upper latch and a, and a mid-level latch yep. um, on the aft trailer edge of the door the, the upper latch is at the basically the top center of the door mm-hmm. and i'm pushing hard i won't say hard but i'm, I'm pushing on uh, the upper part of the door to make sure that that upper latch is indeed latched yeah that's true. There's, a, there's a mechanism inside the door it gets kind of complicated uh and uh, things can go wrong and that's just another safety check yeah it's not on the checklist per se but it is part of what i do yes I, and I know, and you've done it every I, every single time I've ever flown you. You've done that. It's obviously a very very regular part of your. Yeah. Procedure. Well, if you've ever if you've ever sat through the door open drill on a on a Bonanza or a Baron, um, you would get religion on that fairly really? quickly. Yeah. Why? What's what's? Well, it's just noisy. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, all the paper charts are now you know confetti behind the airplane. Yeah. Right. Um, some of the dust and stuff. How how? So per, because of the airflow. My understanding, and I've never had a door open on me. I've had windows open on me. I've never had a door open on me. Is that it's nearly impossible to close the door in flight because of the way the airflow is happening? Is that right? Um, well, there's a couple of answers to that. Um, typically, well, there's there's three answers to that. Yeah, it depends on the airplane. Is the first answer okay? Second answer is um, it's difficult to close a cabin door and fly the airplane at the same time which should you prefer yes well that's that's very you, you should prefer that's... to fly the airplane yeah. leave the door alone until you're back on the ground just fly the airplane get the airplane yeah. you know on the ground taxi to a complete stop and then f- uh, deal with the door yeah okay the third answer gets a little bit more intriguing oh yeah um years and years and years ago yeah. When I was, when I was uh, little more than self-loading freight, my father and I were in a, somewhere over Missouri in a Skyline, mm-hmm. Cessna 182. He was in the left seat. I was in the right seat trying to see over the instrument panel. And somewhere along the way, where you're in cruise flight, his door pops open. Okay. And he says, okay, son, you fly the airplane while I try to get this door shut. Yeah. And I'm like, sure, Dad. And I grab the wheel with both hands, of course, and just hold it as steady as I can. I'm kind of looking out the wings, you know, out the side windows because I can't see over the front. Right. Uh, I can't right. see out the front window. Yep. And he literally leans his shoulder in, leans his left shoulder into the door, pushes out a little bit, and then grabs the handle and slams it back. He took him a couple of tries mm-hmm. to get it shut. Yeah. But he did get it shut. Yeah. And uh, you know, I you know eventually released my iron grip on the on the yoke and <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and turned the controls back over to him. But I've you know I've seen that done. I've seen that done. Um, I've done it actually mm-hmm. with other Cessnas. Uh, um, a, a quite memorable flight, given the passenger um, 
right after liftoff, the passenger door popped open on a, on a 150, another 150. Right. And uh, uh, this was this person had never been in a light airplane before, so this was all of this was a great new experience. And I, you know, climb, let it climb out. I said, relax. I got this. Don't worry about it. Made sure fl- throttle was full forward. It wasn't going to roll back. And um, had left hand on the yoke and reached over with my right hand, pushed the door out a little bit and pulled it shut. And that was the end of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yes, you can close some doors on some aircraft, some airplanes, um, after, when the door pops open in flight. But not all of them. And, and Bonanza's, Barron's. Are, are can be especially uh, tricky. There are tales of using the uh, using an open door on a Baron as somewhat of an aileron or a rudder. I've heard uh, stories like that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I've I've not done that. I don't. Have, I've not seen I, a demonstration. I've seen the tales though. Yeah, I suppose if you gotta, you gotta. But uh, yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't be my first choice. Well, yeah, some in, they they can blank depending on the aircraft again. You can blank part of the elevator, stable yeah. whatever, and, it, that's, and and that gets that starts to get a little hairy kind of quickly yeah. if you're, if you're yeah. doing it wrong. Yeah, but on the other hand, if the door becomes removed from the airplane, you're probably not closing <laughs> it. You're probably going to have to deal with the noise. But uh, but be sure to taxi to your maintenance facility when you land. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Fork time here. Thank you. Um, it's. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 always great to get together, um, and uh, I I'm you know I'm torn between uh, this has been great. I, just 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 you and I chatting is great. It's yeah. also been great to have guests. Um, yeah, well, and, and you know we'll, we'll go back. Variety of this is the spice is the spice of life. But uh, yeah, so anyways, thank you. That's Jeb Burnside. Jeb's a uh, freelance aviation writer and editor. He serves as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. He's also a regular contributor to other aviation publications. Online, you can find Jeb's work at Aviation Safety magazine.com his magazine is on twitter as av safety mag you can also find his work at aea.net avweb.com on twitter he's burnside j and on mastodon he is burnside j at uh, mytransponder.com I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me online in most of the usual places with the all one word username Jack Hodgson. For example, Twitter Jack Hodgson, Mastodon Jack Hodgson at mytransponder.com, um, YouTube Jack Hodgson, Patreon Jack Hodgson. You can find my ebooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the books section, and you can sign up for my Around the Field email newsletter at aroundthefield.net. Thank you, folks, for taking the time to listen. If possible, please become a supporter of the podcast you can do that at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace um, or you can make a paypal tip jar donation care of the email address podcast at uncontrolled airspace.com just 10 or 15 dollars over the span of a year is a big big help and we'd love to hear from you you can use that same email address podcast at uncontrolled airspace.com to send us your comments and questions so anyways that's enough talking let's go flying and remember that flying is the second greatest thrill known to mankind Landing is the first. Hey, David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Oh, you may have heard this before, but the key to long life is aviation because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan.